0: Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Connect Church, let's celebrate the Lord this morning. And what an incredible message and song today. Welcome to Connect Church. Man, we are so glad uh, you are here, whether you're visiting with us for the first time, maybe watching online, or you are in the house. We are so grateful that you guys are here. Now listen, also a special shout out to those of you who uh, joined our wellness challenge as a church. And uh, how are you doing? I mean, I feel miserable uh, to every extent. I mean, I've not had sugar for a whole week, and I died three times. And it's just been, it's been a little tough, but, man, it's been, it's been so good. I, I've got some really mean messages for some of you who are on this, like in your weakest moments on, on you don't like my preaching, you're not tithing and you're changing churches. But listen, stay strong. And know that at the end of this, getting healthier physically is going to translate to being healthy, healthier spiritually. In fact, um, we have, let's talk about unintended consequences. We actually have a live stock ticker to show um, how this is affecting outside of our church. Um, since I started this wellness, it, it's a diet, I just need to get less fat. I, I want to show you something that's happened. This is Stocks and Little Debbie right here. Just uh, This is a live view uh, of what has happened over the past week. and uh, Anyway, I, I hope you're doing well in it. Glad you're here this morning. Grab your Bibles if you would, or open your app if you would. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. A place in the Bible I love to call the lost and found department of God's Word. Luke chapter 15. And here we're introduced to three parables. You have the parable of the lost sheep. You have the parable of the lost coin. And you have the parable of the lost son, or the prodigal son. Today we're going to begin to focus in on the last parable of the three, the parable of the prodigal son. Now you might be saying, well, Anthony, you're throwing a word out there we don't use much. The word parable, what does that mean? Well, a parable, as noted, is really a common description of an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story that is used to really uncover a heavenly meaning. And by the way, Jesus was the best at using parables. It just doesn't get any better than Jesus. Now, so we find ourselves in Luke chapter 15 in this earthly story. And really, Jesus tells these three parables in response to an offense that he's caused. Some complaining and grumbling coming from Pharisees and scribes. They were the religious leaders of the day. And they were, they were offended, they were complaining, and they were grumbling. Because in Luke chapter 15 verse 2, that we find out that Jesus was eating with sinners. How dare him eat with sinners, talk with sinners. How dare him be a friend of sinners. And Jesus, knowing their hearts. Jesus, knowing their offense and their complaint and their grumbling, decides to confront them in their offense, in their complaint, and in their grumbling. And he confronts them with three parables. The last of which we focus in on today. Because we know this, the heart of, of Jesus, his intention here with these parables is to show these religious leaders, these Pharisees and these scribes, to show them the joy and rejoicing that takes place, when that which was lost is now found, when a person who is apart from God our Father, when that person is made right in their relationship with Him. Now, this is a short story here in Luke chapter 15, and it has been ascribed as one of the greatest short stories of all time. In fact, Charles Dickens, the great English writer and novelist, would say this, of Luke chapter 15, this parable of the prodigal son. He would write, it is the finest short story ever written. And so together, let's begin to take a look. So in Luke chapter 15, get over to verse 11. And now as we turn there, many of your Bibles are going to have a heading. It's going to say the prodigal son, parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal is not a word probably. We use a whole lot in our day to day. I'm just going to guess. We don't typically use the word prodigal to describe anybody. But what does it mean? The very definition of a prodigal is someone who is reckless, who is wasteful, and who is extravagant with that which has been given to them. Now we find here in Luke chapter 15, this is a fitting title to a Jewish boy who has rebelled against his father despite his father's goodness, who has rejected his father's authority in his life, who's followed his own sinful desires, his own selfishness in a reckless way that, by the way, leaves him ruined. That's the title given to this son, the prodigal son. We find here in Luke 15 a story of rebellion, a story of repentance, a story of running, a story of rejoicing all in one. Now, I love the title most often, the authors give this parable, the parable of the prodigal son. But, but I really do think it's, it's misnamed. Unfortunately, because in reality, it should be called the parable of the loving father. Twelve times in 22 verses, Jesus mentions the hero of this story, and it is the father. And by the way, the father is not only the hero of this story, he can be the hero of your story as well, because he sure is the hero Of my story. Who's the hero of your story today? You see, we find really two types of prodigals that might be in this room today. Contextually, just like we find in Luke chapter 15, there's the prodigal sinner who's in desperate need of forgiveness and the love and salvation of his Father. That's the prodigal sinner. But there's also another prodigal in the room today. Maybe watching online with us right now, and that is the believer who's in a prodigal season of your life. You find yourself in a prodigal season of your life. Which prodigal might you be today? Believer, if you're in a prodigal season of your life, the invitation is clear from the beginning come home. Come to the Father. If you're here and you're a prodigal sinner, meaning you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, oh, the invitation is clear. Today, come home to God, your Father, who loves you and desires you. So let's dive in. Let's first look at the rebellion of this son. (laughs) Poor little Debbie. I don't know how they're going to make it. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued. Remember, we're on parable number 3. Out of three parables, he continues, there was a man who had two sons. Watch this. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me. Can can we just stop there just for a moment? Culturally, this is the type of relationship most people want with God, isn't it? Hey, God, give me. God, no, you give me. I give nothing. You give me. Don't we live? In a world that just says to God, give me? Well, we find that alive here in the prodigal son. And he says this, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, now I want you to notice something here. This request by this youngest son of the father is a flagrant violation of the Torah or of the law of God. Leviticus 19.3, this is a sinful request on behalf of the son why because it brings great shame to the father not to mention it devastates and breaks the very heart of his dad it's a it's a sinful request by the son let let me tell you what it's saying it's saying you know what i I don't want anything to do with you but i want your stuff hey father I, i want nothing of you Just give me your stuff. Paramount in the Greek language, you know what he's saying to his dad? I wish you were dead. Give me what is mine. Doesn't that sound offensive? Until you realize that all of us have been there at some point with our father. All of us have been there at some point in our relationship with him. At points in our lives we say, you know what, I don't want you. Just give me your stuff. I see a lot of myself here in this prodigal son in Scripture. In a culture of honor, the shame brought against this father by his son meant that the father could have publicly shamed him. He could have even disowned him. But not this father. That's not how he's going to respond. He responds differently than we expect. The Bible says, so he divided his property between them under Jewish law. The older son got two-thirds of what was the father's, and the youngest son would get one-third. By the way, Mom, if you're listening, just remember that, okay? The oldest gets more. Anyway, so we find this law taking place in the life of this. We have a Jewish boy who now gets a third of what is the father's. The Bible says that not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. Uh, The picture here in the Greek language is that, and he, to go on this Incredible trip, he thinks in his mind that he sells everything that he has. And the Bible says, and he set off for a distant country. Some of your translations say a, a far country. I love that. A far country. And there squandered his wealth in wild living. Thus, the title, prodigal. He squandered everything in wild living. Guys, just so you know, the rebellion against his father is in full force. Thomas Huxley once said this, a man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do just as he likes. I want you to hear that again. A man's worst difficulties begin when he is able to do just as he likes. Isn't that the truth? We see a picture painted here of this prodigal's rebellion in the overindulgence of of gluttony and drunkenness. We know in verse 30 there's prostitution. And at the heart of it all, he's rebelling against his, his father. In fact, I love this. More times than not, the sabotage of my life is an inside job. Now, No matter who we like to blame, and man, are we really good at shifting blame the sabotage of our life. More times than not, believer, hear me. The sabotage of our life, it's an inside job. Don't believe me? Ask the prodigal son. He's figuring this out. Hey, can I remind you something about sin? Can Can I remind you something about rebelling against the Father? Sin always promises freedom, but it also always leads to slavery. Sin promises satisfaction, but it leaves us empty. Sin promises pleasure, but pays in brokenness. Sin promises feats, but o- feasts, but oh feast, but always bring forth a famine. Sin promises life, but deals in death. Sin promises like God, but pays like the devil. In fact, Jesus would teach this and remind us in John chapter 8, verse 31, as Jesus declared, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins watch this, is a slave to sin. And and here's the deal this morning. I don't have to preach hard on that. We know that to be true. All of us have spent time in the slavery that is caused by sin. And man, this prodigal son, he thinks he's living in freedom, but all his freedom has purchased him is slavery. Can I teach you what my youth pastor used to tell us about sin? Sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer. Then you wanted to stay, and it'll cost you a price that you're not willing to pay. Again, don't believe me. Ask the prodigal. He is living that out in his life right now. Sin promised him that he would want for nothing. Well, let's look how that promise comes true. After he had spent everything, There was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. Hey, by the way, there might have been a severe famine in the country, but there was a spiritual famine going on inside of this boy. Watch this. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. By the way, you know what he's trying to do here? He's trying to fix his own problems. He's trying to be the remedy of his sin. He's trying to save himself from the trouble he has gotten into. And by the way, we're not really good at that. What happens? That citizen sent him out to the fields to do what? To feed pigs. And watch this. And what a terrible circumstance this young man is in. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one, no one gave him anything. I love how one author phrased it. He said this. The point of this story is that he was running on empty. Empty pockets, empty stomach, and an empty soul. Sin promised him he would want for nothing, and now he has nothing. Hey, by the way, no one gave him. Where's his drinking buddies? Where's his girlfriends? Hey, where's all the friends that facilitated this rebellion against his father? It's amazing to me that once the money ran out, so did his friends. Where, Where are they? And now we find him trying to fix his own brokenness. Fix his own mess. Man, he just can't do it. You know what's amazing? We're reminded you can choose to sin. But you know what? You cannot choose the consequences of your sin. I I want you to be reminded that. Listen, in our free will that God has given us, you and I, we we can choose our sin. But we cannot choose the consequences of those sins. And we see that alive and well in this Jewish boy, this prodigal son. The pig pen he worked was the dirtiest job a Jewish boy could have. Now now listen, y'all ever watch that show, Dirty Jobs, Mike Rowe? If you've not, it's a great show. I love it. But if he were to go to Israel and he were to find the dirtiest job there was for a Jewish boy, it'd be in that pig pen where we find the prodigal son. This was rock bottom for him physically, rock bottom for him emotionally, and most importantly, this was rock bottom for him spiritually. You ready? Pigs were unclean by law in Jewish culture. But I want you to watch this. Not only is he feeding them, but remember what scripture taught us. He was craving what they craved. He was hungry. He was helpless. And he was hopeless. By the way, the end of all sin leaves us hungry and helpless and hopeless and we see that there in the big, in the pig pen I, I don't know about you but I've been there spiritually I have wallowed in that pig pen I, I, I've known what it is to be in a far country from the father but I don't I don't ever want to go back there again. But I want you to imagine with me what's going on as Jesus is telling the story. I want you to imagine what the Pharisees and the scribes are thinking. They're listening to this prodigal son who shamed his father, who now is in a far country, has lived wildly, now is in the pig pen, and he's hungry, and he's starving to death. You know what the Pharisees and the scribes and religious leaders are thinking? Good! He deserves it! I hope he dies there. I hope he dies there. But you know what? That's not where Jesus is going with this. Nor is that the position of the father of this story. He doesn't want his son to die in the pig pen. He wants his boy home. He wants his son home. Now watch this scripture plays out here. When he came to his senses. Hey, by the way, this literally in the Greek language says, when he came to himself, and maybe more practically, when he came to the end of himself. The Bible says that he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And I'm here starving to death. Hey, Hey, prodigal son, hey, don't you remember there's always food? At your dad's table. Hey, hey, remember this. Remember at your dad's house, you're not some mere hired servant, you're a son. Hey, hey, remember at your, your father's house, you don't have to sleep on a dusty floor, you have a bed. You're not by yourself, he's always there with you. He comes to his senses that being with the Father is better than anything this world has to offer. Hey, prodigal sinner, hey, believer in a prodigal season of your life, prodigal, come home. Come to your senses and realize the goodness of God the Father and recognize the gutter sin has left you in and just... Come home. Come home. Watch this play out. In verse 18, we, we get a rehearsal here. This, this prodigal son's way, man, should I go back to my father? And watch this rehearsal that's playing out. I don't know about you, but anytime time I got in trouble, I would rehearse how to get out of it in my mind. Or I'd have this conversation in my mind that I would continue on. We get a little window here. I will set out, he says, and go back to my father and say to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Make me like one of your servants. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. There's no pride left here, is there? Just brokenness. There's no pride at all in his voice. He's not proud of where he is. There's only brokenness. And here's my question. What if the parable stopped here? What if Jesus taught no further? What if there was no ending of this story? And all we find is a prodigal son in a pig pen feeling sorrowful about where he is and only considering going back to his father. What would happen? The prodigal son would die in the pig pen. Lost in his sin, with no one to rescue him, alone in the consequences of his sin. I want to remind you something. Paul would write in Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse ten. Now, watch this. There is a godly sorrow that brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But I want you to watch this this last part. But worldly sorrow brings death. If all he ever been was just sorry. He'd have stayed in that pig pen. He would have died there. With regret and sorrow, yes. But still lost in his sin. But let me remind you something. No matter how far you've run from God, the return trip is just one step. It's just one step. And you ask Anthony, then what is that step? You ready? It is repentance. It is a word not preached about enough. It's a word we don't really like. But that one step back to the Father is repentance. Vance Havner, a wonderful pastor and preacher a generation ago, wrote this. He said that our Lord's last word to the church was not the Great Commission, but it was repent. And it's the last thing he says the church is willing to do. We hear so much about revival, but revival is an Old Testament word, he writes. The New Testament word is repent, and yet we find that it's one of the last things we're willing to do. I want you to hear me. There is no equation. There is no formula that exists where there is a homecoming without repentance. The son doesn't come to the father and say, no, no, listen, dad, I'm coming back home, but you listen to me. I am proud of where I've been. I brought my pigs with me. I brought the prostitutes. And I will do what pleases me. You will listen to me. You will affirm me. Now welcome me home. Guys, there is no homecoming with that amount of pride. There is no homecoming without repentance. You might say this, and what is it? You see, coming home brings with it this brokenness and this desire to be close to the Father and to do His will in your life. Repentance is more than just feeling bad. It's putting feet to your sorrow and brokenness, turning away from your sin and going back to the Father. By the way, just like the Son does in verse 20. He didn't stay in the pig pen. He didn't just think about how sorry he was. He put feet to his sorrow. And so he got up, and the Bible says he went to his father, prodigal. Get up and go to the father. Run to the father. Fall into his grace. This right here is one of the more beautiful pictures of repentance we find. In Scripture, a broken son running to his father. In some of the most beautiful pictures in all of Scripture, follow this. Scripture, follow this. Watch this in verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, the Bible says his father saw him. Wait, wait, are you telling me that his dad has been scanning the horizon? For as long as his boy's been in rebellion, looking for his boy to come home. Well, Scripture tells me that the father saw him, and he was filled with compassion. I love this word in the Greek language. You know why? Because it literally speaks of the deepest, inmost part of our bodies that he felt for his son from the deepest part of who he was. And the Bible says this, not only did he feel bad for him, But he ran to his son, threw his arms around him. And the Bible says he kissed him. He kissed him. You know, this is a striking scene. Because men at this time, especially old men, they simply didn't run. It was a shameful act that was beneath them. And yet the picture here is a father who is running. And the Bible says not only is his father running, he saw his son. Guys, y'all ever lost your kid before? Several weeks ago, here at Connect Church, my youngest son, who was four, beautiful blonde hair, blue-eyed little boy, decided he was going to hide from my wife downstairs, and we were closing everything up. So he went under stacks of chairs and hid. Well, Aaron comes upstairs. Have you seen Bennett. I was like, no, I've not seen him. For 15 minutes, we have no idea where our son is. I'm fixing to ask the security team to stop every bit of traffic, and we're going to search everybody personally. We're going to get my boy. And then he runs upstairs, and I see my boy. Hey, for 15 minutes, I thought he was gone. And I ran over to him. I wanted to beat his butt, but I didn't. I ran over to him, and I I grabbed him, and I hugged him. and, Man, I'm telling you what, I lost my boy for 15 minutes. And when I saw him, the joy in my heart was immeasurable. Imagine a father who had lost his son to rebellion for much longer than that. Imagine as he's scanning the horizon, and all of a sudden his son's image breaks that plane. And he sees the way he walks because he knows the way his boy walks. Though he looks a little skinnier, he, he knows that that's his boy coming home. And the Bible says that he ran threw his arms around him and, and kissed him. Listen, I love this when I come home sometimes with my kids. When, when they run up and we hug each other, I love kissing them all over their face. They think it's annoying, but I love it, right? And, and, and I can imagine that That's exactly what this dad does. Just kisses him all over his face. Imagine what it was like to see his son. Hey, by the way, do you see your homecoming yet? Do you know this is what it looks like for you, prodigal sinner, who needs the Father's forgiveness and salvation? Do you know that this is what it looks like to come home? You take that step of repentance and the father comes running to hug and to kiss you and to welcome you home. Hey, believer who's in a prodigal season of your life, hey, do you see your homecoming here? A father running when you take that one step of repentance. Why else did the father run? Because you know what? This prodigal's homecoming might not have been a celebration it very well could have been a funeral service and here's what i mean in deuteronomy chapter 31 we know this that the prodigal son's rebellion the shame he brought his father and his family meant that under the law he could have been stoned to death by the neighbors perhaps the reason the father ran was to get to his boy before anybody else could the boy he would loved and he longed to see, he ran to him and he threw his arms around him because if anybody's going to throw a stone, a stone, it's going to hit the father first. As he hugged and he kissed his boy. Hey, isn't that a beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us? On the cross, how he embraced us. And when the stones of God's wrath came, He took that beating. He died that death so that you and I could run to the Father. Now watch this play out. The son being hugged and kissed by his father. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Where in this does it say, I'm proud of where I've been. I'm bringing the pigs with me. The prostitutes. I'm going to do it. Please. I've sinned against heaven. And I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And what we see take place next is instead of the father dealing with his son in justice, meaning what he deserved, we find a father dealing with his son In mercy and in grace, that which he did not deserve. And by the way, aren't you grateful that God deals with us in mercy and in grace? In fact, we're reminded in the 103rd Psalm, verses 10 through 13, that the Lord does not treat us as our sin deserves or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion on His children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. God, our Father, is a dealer in mercy and in grace. Not worthy to be my son. Watch the Father's response. The Father looks to his servants and says, Quick! Watch this. Makes no sense. Quick! Bring the best robe. Hey, guys, the Father of the house, this is not the robe he, he slacks in at night, right? This is a special robe that he would wear only on the greatest celebrations of the year. And he puts that robe on his son because to this father, there was no greater celebration in all the world than that his son had come home. He tells his servants, put a ring on his finger, Guys, that was a special and an important ring. On it was the signet of his family. One author noted this. It signified that the father was conferring the rights and the privileges and the authority he had on his son. You know what he's doing? He's restoring his son. It says this, put sandals on his feet. The fact that his son was barefoot meant that was a picture of his life. He had nothing to his name. But I'm gonna tell you something only servants with barefoot, but not a son, put sandals on my boy's feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. I love this passage, especially on a diet week, right? He's like, we're gonna celebrate here. The fattened calf didn't just feed the family. This was a neighborhood celebration, a party that was going down. Bring the fattened calf and let's celebrate. Why? Because the greatest celebration of the Father is that His Son of His was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And the Bible says so they began to celebrate. The Pharisees and the scribes listening to Jesus, no way. No way. Leave him in the pig pen, the religious leaders would say. All but to Jesus, come to the Father. Hey, prodigal sinner, for the person in here who's never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never given your heart and your life to him. You know how that's evidence? Because he's never changed your life. Can I I give you the invitation of Luke chapter 15? You ready? Come to the Father. Come to the Father. Fall into His grace today. Hey, believer who's in a prodigal season of your life, where you have found yourself in a far country, and by the way, the far country is not measured by miles, but by the moments you've taken to distance yourself from Jesus, Prodigal believer who finds yourself in a far country. You ready? Come home. Come home. Come to the Father today. Ernest Hemingway wrote a story about a father and his teenage son. In the story, the relationship between the father and son had become somewhat strained. And the teenage son ran away from home. And so the father began his journey to search for his rebellious son. Finally, in Madrid, Spain, in a last desperate attempt to find his son, the father put out an ad in a local newspaper. And here's what the ad read in Madrid, Spain. Dear Paco, the name of his son, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven, and I love you. Signed, your father. The next day, Hemingway writes, in front of the newspaper office, 800 young men named Paco showed up seeking forgiveness and the love of their father. In Luke chapter 15, our father put out an ad. To every prodigal sinner in need, Of salvation. All is forgiven. I love you. God your father. To every believer who's in a prodigal season. I want you to hear the ad. You ready? All is forgiven. I love you. God your father.